ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy. Today, my guest is my brother Jay. Welcome, Jay. Hello, Stacy. Welcome. Hello. Welcome um, back. Why, thank you. Thank you so much. I have already had Peter on, and now Jay is on the show. And Jay, it's always tricky because I have two older brothers. So it's like, oh, my older brother. So then it's like, are you my oldest? Are you my eldest? I don't know. Like, is there, how do you do that? Like, good, better, best, whatever. Doesn't matter. Best. Bestest. <laughs> Favorite. I, well, you know, we always fight about who's mom's favorite, even though there's really no fight. It's clearly me. Anyway, um, if you can't listen to the show live, remember that you can text DAMTT to 55678, and then you can learn all about where to find the podcast. It's on pretty much every podcast platform you could dream about. Uh, also, if you want to call in and connect, call 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven, or you can find me via my website, which is stacyconnects.com. So, as you know, Jay, we have to do the rant and ramble um, of the week, and um, the elephant that is in the room, at least in the Pacific Northwest, is the heat. It has been hotter than Heller. You like that? Good play on words, right? I, I did like that. That's very good. Thank and you. And yes, I know that in the Midwest where it was hot a couple of weeks ago, you guys are scorching. Yeah, it has been. And I was assuming that our air conditioner is broken because the house has been running at about somewhere between 87 and 91. And I called just like probably everybody else in the Pacific Northwest, a heating and cooling company. And the guy was like, well, when it is 111 outside, typically air conditioners just repurpose outside air and bring it down about 20 degrees lower. So that tracks. (laughs) I was like, oh. It's working fine. (laughs) Right. So then I did ask if it's a problem that I haven't had my um, air ducts cleaned out in the 13 some odd years that we've lived in the house. And apparently, not to mention construction in the house, which might add to the dust and debris. Right. And the cats and just life. Yeah. So apparently, it's... that's not good. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you got a professional opinion on that. Right. <laughs> and he was like, let me send you to Nicole who can schedule. And he, I'm sure, in the transfer of calls was like, oh, Nicole, we got a live one. <laughs> Because I think maybe you could maybe you could use rain barrels somewhere in the house and incorporate that into the air conditioning system. Okay, this is a good (laughs) idea. (laughs) I'm just saying I'm just trying to contribute to, you know, your ongoing innovations. (laughs) The rain barrels is a really good idea. And I have another new invention. It's not really an invention. It's an experience. So. Here's my thing. So you know how there's all these like health clubs everywhere and, you know, that's great. Well, some of us are less interested in going to a health club and taking like a yoga class with a whole bunch of people there or whatever. You know, we're working on our 
mental and our emotional fitness. <laughs> so wouldn't it be cool to have a, a center, if you will, where you can go in and you can like, I don't know, have all kinds of different people that are involved in the healing arts. But the penultimate part of this is that a couple times of day you can stop in and you can meditate. So you have this big room and everybody gets a mat and it's like a silent disco. You put on your own headphones and everybody can listening like you can listen to whatever you want to listen to. If you have a guided meditation or music or whatever, you can be in your work clothes, whatever it is, you can sit there or you can lie there and everybody meditates and it's chill. So I just have two observations. <laughs> One is that I would think that the alternative to the gym is bars to solve your problem. And the second, <laughs> maybe that the heat is getting to you with your idea. <laughs> I had this idea preheat. Okay. Well, I, I'm now on, I'm a West Coaster now. We like things that are like weird. <laughs> rain barrels might be a better idea than, than the last one. So and what do you think, Eric? You, well, I like the idea of a yoga studio where people are wearing headphones so people can't hear other people passing gas, uh, <laughs> which is a known problem for the yoga studios, especially the hot yoga. Well, yeah, that's uh, a thing. All, the, all yoga was hot yoga here for like three days. But, uh, this is true. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know about the meditating. I guess you have to select something that's appropriate for that to listen to. But, yeah, it seems like a could be a good idea. I mean, maybe I'm the only one with voices in my head. I don't know. <laughs> but why wouldn't you do that at home rather than amongst other people? Right. It seems like that would be distracting. Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because it is very hard for a lot of people that want to be mindful and present to at home do that. Let's say you have small kids. You are you can't even go to the bathroom without your kid running in. Um, or, you know, your kids are older and it's about like they're still distracting you and their music and whatever. So trying to get the quiet and to not be disturbed is really hard. Whereas if you had a place to go and practice this, then you could really work on that. All right. Yeah. So what do you think, you two smarties? That makes sense. Right. I mean, finding a quiet space, it seems like the most important part of that. So maybe a visit to the library would be good. But or can I lie down? Your car. Well, depends on which <laughs> branch you're in, I guess. <laughs> All right, you two. You just don't get it. You're clearly not my audience. <laughs> no, I, I think any, any time you can get away and rest is, is a good good thing. I, I just don't know that I would pay a fee to be amongst other people listening to headphones. All right. Well, that's because you're on headphones all day. <laughs> well, that's a good point. <laughs> okay. Now, in mom news, I spoke with her, which is our tradition, like pre-show tradition. She calls me in the morning. She wishes me luck. Um, she did want me to know that she is out of Wendy's gift cards. And I'm pretty sure that Mary gave her like $500 worth of Wendy's gift cards. Right? I believe she gave her some ridiculous amounts. And frankly, um, we assume that that would get her to about 89. And I think she must be giving it away to, to people at Penswood or, you know, Glop well, is getting a good chunk of that something, but she's burning through that much faster than anticipated. Well, especially since she spends $1.89. She just gets the frosty and then no, she's No, so... Again, I'm glad you asked. 
she gets the junior cheeseburger, which is like a dollar eighty nine, and then you get the free senior drink, and she doesn't get fries except sometimes when she goes with Lee, they're in the mood for fries. So then she splurges and they get. Sometimes fries. she just buys them for the room. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> you got to. Right. <laughs> that's how you win friends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I that's that's how I win friends. <laughs> so anyway, I'm thinking that I need to do instead of a GoFundMe, like you know, people always do these GoFundMe's for these various things. I might have to do a GoFundMe for Mom and Wendy's. It's a thing. Um, I, yeah. What are you going to say? I think I think you should. I think you should do it. Why not? Let's let's see who contributes and. It's a great idea. Thank you. It. Thank you very much. See, I <laughs> one out of two ain't bad. <laughs> um, now, Will just returned. So Will graduated or finished school, in theory, in March. And then he had a whole quarter that he didn't have anything to do. And so he was just kind of hanging with friends and whatever. And then he decided to do, like, everything in a seven-day period. So he went to Yosemite last week and then got home and then proceeded to go up to Portland, and he was in something called the Gambler 500, which you can look it up. It is this race, and I'm using air quotes, um, that I guess originally started as a thing where you take your old beater car and you're driving around this area in Oregon and you're cleaning up trash. And the funny part about it is that most of the cars look like trash. <laughs> So he and his friends, two friends, bought a car for like $1,000 or like $1,500 between the three of them and made some adjustments. And he sent me a picture and he had to wear like pilot's headsets because it was so loud in the car they couldn't hear each other. And um, the car did need a couple brakes because it was overheating. Um, But they made it through the 500 miles and he had an awesome time. So... That's kind of so, fun. Well, it is the the connection to gambler is. I don't. I don't know. It's just. I. I don't know. It's called the Gambler Five Hundred. I don't know why. Um, maybe because you're taking a gamble that your car is going to survive the five hundred miles. Okay, I'll have to. I'll have to look that up. It sounds. I, I thought you were going to say they have various spots, and in each spot they get a card. Um, and then when they get to the end, you know, they have to play their hand or something. Um, I've heard of things like that where you cover ground, but it sounds different than that. So interesting. We'll look it up. Um, clearly the idea thing is genetic because that's a good idea too. You should well, work I'd, on that. I'd love to take it, but that's very common in, uh, upstate New York and they do it on snowmobiles. And they go from bar to bar, and in each bar they get a, a card. And then, like in the final spot, they usually had too much to drink, and they're driving snowmobiles, which I suppose is mildly better than cars. And um, and then at the end, you play whatever your hand is. Oh. And you win some prize. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Hmm. I'm like, how can I turn that into a moneymaker? <laughs> I, I think the Portland thing is just because Kenny Rogers is the MC. Oh. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah. Really? No, I'm kidding. 
I, wow. that, but he was the gambler. <laughs> he was the gambler. Stuff, I know. Or, <laughs> you know, Eric, I'm not typically gullible, and you had me. There I know he so, totally to had me. I was like, really? That's crazy. I think Kenny Rogers actually <laughs> passed away. So I, it well, would be a real feat. I mean, <laughs> that would have made that really impressive. Exactly. I just figured maybe originally or something. You know, Eric really knows when to hold his cards. <laughs> you got to know when to hold them. Wow. Well, and well, you got to okay. know when to play them. Um. Dad used to listen to that song. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, and now he is, he just got back, like, last night from Portland, and now he is moving into his new apartment with his roommate. So, we officially have kid number two launched in his own place. And and generally, are you comfortable saying what what state is this new apartment in? Is he... It's in, in Cali. Or? No, he's in um, cool. San Jose. And when Pete went down for graduation, you know, Will hadn't really started looking at anything, but he took Pete to some different areas. And one of the areas that they went to, there was a building there. And it said, like, open, come on in, like, check places out. So they went in and Will took these Snapchats that he sent to the family chat that it's like, you know, the San Jose version of, like, a skyscraper with floor-to-ceiling windows and, like, you know, these this really nice place. And I was like, okay. And it's got a gym and a parking garage and, you know, the balcony, shared balcony on the whatever floor. And um, turns out that he'd be able to afford it if he got a roommate. And everything fell into place and uh, he kind of knew a guy peripherally that was looking for a roommate, and bam, that's it. They got it. Two-bedroom place and um, two-bedroom, one bathroom. So now they they share a bathroom, and, you know, the relationship is born. And is he going into the office, or is he going to work out of the apartment? He is going to work out of the apartment in the beginning, and so he got the bigger bedroom because he'll be working out of the apartment, and he's hoping that things turn around and that he can – he starts in August, um, so he's hoping before the year ends that he'll be able to go in. Cool. And on that note, Pete went into the office for the first time in 18 months today, and he basically left his family for dead in our house. <laughs> We're all like, poor Charlie is at home, like, I'm melting. <laughs> and Pete's like, see ya. <laughs> He has left, and he will be working from the office, not coming home for the next 18 months. Kind of. It's just balance. Well, I think it's funny that he's like, I'm taking care of the family by leaving the family. Right. (laughs) So anyway. um, Okay. My Stasiism of the day. This one is inspired by you, Jay. So I think that you are not a good leader if you're not a good learner. And something that I have always admired about you is that you are a good learner. Look at that. I said something nice about you. You're supposed to react. I'm trying to pick myself up off the floor. So just give me a minute. Um, No, I think that you you are very good at adjusting your sales and um, kind of going with the flow and learning some things about yourself and other people and evolving. And it's something that I... I really admire about you, and um, and I think that makes you a really good, a really good leader. Well, thank you. I, I'm not sure that I would go with the really good anything, but it's it's allowed me to fake my way into my current position, so that's worked out. That's worked out well for me. 
well, you know, you fake it till you make it. Or it turns out exactly. when you're faking it till you make it, it may turn out that you're actually not faking it. It may turn out that you're actually good at what you're doing. Yep, you're you're right. See? Look at that. I'm turning lemons into lemonade. Um, you know what else you can use with lemons and lemonade? Um, lemons, lemonade, and water is also the three same ingredients that goes into uh, sugar for sugaring spa treatments. That's right, folks. The same thing that you mix up wow. for lemonade can also be used to remove hair from wherever. So let me just make sure for your audience I have this right. So lemons, lemonade, and water. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Lemons, sugar, and water. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the clarification. Well, I'm going to go check the recipe during the break. They call that the country <laughs> time, by the way. Yes, it is country time. <laughs> Whatever. This is like having my two brothers again. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> Whatever. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk to my brother, Jay. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. Hi, I'm J.D.K. Winnikin, host of This Show is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams, and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. When giving presentations, do you feel nervous, worry you won't get your message across, or hold your listeners' attention? Storytelling is an essential business skill most people don't learn. Telling your story clearly, concisely, and with real connection is key because people respond to and learn from stories more than charts or spreadsheets. Find and finesse your story so you can share it effectively with executive storytelling coach Melissa Reeves of Story Fruition. Melissa offers individual coaching, workshops, and webinars that teach the ABCs of Tell Me More Please. Go to storyfruition.com. Going our own way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy. I'm joined today by my eldest brother, 
John Durston Emrick Jr., a.k.a. Jay. Um, and Jay, before the show, commented, I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> but my show is not about plugging something. It's about conversation. So we're just having conversation. So, Jay, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> wow. You, you don't have enough time. There, there's not possibly <laughs> enough time. That, obviously, the, the commonality is the uh, your mother that you sp- speak so frequently and often about who um, should be listening now, correct? Oh, yeah. She's 100% listening right now. And, like, she's probably saying to Diane and Lee right now, like, shh, I need to hear what they're saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, do you think that, you know, you're seven years older than I am, and did I have a different mom than you had? I mean, uh, I don't mean that, like, literally. I mean... <laughs> yeah. No, I think you were the beneficiary of being the youngest, and... Um, and uh, I was the oldest, and then Peter had the middle. But by the time you came around, seven seven years between us, she had she and Dad had both chilled on their on their uh, parental controlling. You're welcome. I think you're welcome. <laughs> I'm the I'm the one that got put behind the couch. Remember? <laughs> I know that was so. I actually felt bad. So I have. Um, it's oh. We have a caller. Uh, <laughs> Want to take a guess on a who shot. it is? <laughs> <laughs> um, who's our caller? We've we've got Joan on the line. I mean, what he is going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, oh, Mom. Jay. Yes. <laughs> what are you going to talk about? <laughs> he's well, talking we're about. We're in the middle of talking about it. Yeah, he's you. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I was the best mother you've ever had. Uh, well, the the good news is also the only mother that I ever had. Yeah, so. that is true. That is true. No, you're great, and I couldn't resist calling to say that I I'm I love you, kids, and I, I it's fun listening to you. It really is. Keep going. You don't need me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Love you both. Thanks for calling. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> She's so cute. Oh yes, she is so cute. Very spry for eighty-one-year-old woman. So right? Got to give her a lot of credit. Totally, totally. Um, well, and you got to have her visit for three weeks. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. So the whole childhood thing. Um, I have very fond memories of you, like breaking uh, the window to uh, my bedroom. Yeah, I was going to say of me getting beaten by by. <laughs> Mom and dad? Well, it's funny. I I brought my recording equipment with me when I went to Penswood, and um, I have not yet sent the content to Eric to upload. Um, but we talk about how mom put you behind the couch. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep, there was ma- many, many exciting moments where mom and, and I guess dad, too, helped shape me into the fine person that I am today. Well, I mean, yes. And, and yes, (laughs) I guess. Um, No, I just, I very much remember with both you and Peter wanting you guys to like me. (laughs) And I remember that anytime there was mischief involved, I was down if I was like part of the team because I for once wanted to feel like part of the team. 
Well, look, I, I think in, from listening to your show, you did a good job of, of uh, you know, back to, to the start of the show of listening and learning because you, you clearly listened, you paid attention, you didn't get caught and you ended up surpassing us in terms of, uh, you know, doing mischievous things yourself as you were growing up. Well, yes, I did. <laughs> Yes, you did. Perhaps my favorite story was when mom and dad were out for dinner, which was uh, often, and we lived in a house in in Long Island, and it had a very steep driveway. And I I don't know how old I was, maybe 15 or something. And Uh, I decided to bring you. um, I don't know where Peter was. And I jumped in mom's Volkswagen, which had a semi-automatic stick shift, and back it out of the garage and drive it down the driveway. which was brilliant. It was fantastic. <laughs> but getting up the driveway was a bit of a problem. So I think Peter was that, back for the trying to get it back up. I think Peter was in charge of either sitting there steering it um, and or maybe he had to push it too. I, I'm not sure. We, we may have all had a little stint doing both. <laughs> I totally was. I re- recall pushing and it reminds me of like, you know, that idea that like somebody's holding a big box or something and like the little kid is like their feet are, aren't even on the ground, like they're not doing anything to help. But like, look, I'm helping, too. <laughs> well, and, and you know, the funny thing is the driveway was I mean, it was probably a 40 degree bank on that driveway. So it was it was not, you know, just a little tiny incline. It was a pretty steep incline. So it it was also good going downhill. It's just the return that was not had not been properly planned for so yeah and now you go look at that house on like zillow or whatever and i don't even recognize it anymore it's crazy yeah, no, that there's uh that's kind of a fun thing to do is go back and look at old homes and see how they've changed mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean i just i don't recognize them and then i remember very fondly when mom and dad once again going out and you you didn't have your own moped. You were borrowing somebody's, maybe? No, no, I, I had my own. Okay. Then I wasn't supposed to be on it or something. And so then we waved goodbye to mom and dad as they left. And then you were like, you want to go on the moped? And we went over to um, the golf course and rode around. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. that s- those mopeds were uh, with... Uh, there was a group of four of us that hung out when I was growing up and we all had mopeds and, and um, uh, proceeded to get ourselves again in a fair amount of trouble with them doing, doing things that we, we shouldn't have been doing in town. But it yes, makes I me do remember that. makes me think of that Macklemore song where he's like, I'm going to get a moped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really think of, of people that are, you know, causing too much of a problem on, on mopeds, but we, you know, way back in the day i guess we were our own version of a little gang and and created a little bit of a ruckus are you still in touch with any of those guys no uh although i'm not in touch with any of them but i uh i found a video about rory uh online he's a carpenter somewhere in new jersey like west orange new jersey and that was pretty interesting to watch really yeah wow okay so yeah rory doyle was the kid that lived like we lived on a block that was literally four houses and he's the kid that lived like I guess behind us or next to us whatever 
And his dad was a reporter. Yep. And for like the Daily News. And um, yeah, I think it was the Daily News. Mm-hmm. And yep. he had this like stealthy, like kind of creepy, like not in like a I like little girls way, but like in a like I'm a reporter and like I'm the old school type um, way where occasionally he would show up and he scared me to death every time. Yeah, he he was one of those guys that would, um, you know, you'd be standing there and all of a sudden out of nowhere, there would be Pat Doyle. Right. And he didn't usually have a lot of stuff to say. It would be in this kind of deeper tone. What are you doing? (laughs) You'd be like, huh? (laughs) Like, where'd you come from? (laughs) And the the interesting thing is Pat Doyle was um, one of the reporters that that worked um and i think he had some big bylines maybe his biggest byline was he broke the story about um david berkowitz who was the son of sam yep yeah so a little creepy (laughs) a little creepy (laughs) and very good at being subtle (laughs) yes um and then you went off to college and yeah, it's very big for you, my going off to college. I that know. Very... So here's yeah. the deal. Jay went off to college to Fairfield University, where Grace is currently, and where, oh, look at that. Pete also went to Fairfield. So um, I wanted your attention so badly. I married one of your friends. Correct. You guys, uh, um, I think you guys like hooked up or connected or whatever whatever the the term of the uh the day is the decade is at our wedding right at mary and my wedding is that well actually <laughs> at <Nice>. your <laughs> at your engagement party that was held at the who should call its house um of oh, fosters yeah. yes um i discovered the features and benefits of a um gin and tonic Maybe it was a vodka tonic. I don't remember. And I remember chatting with Pete a lot. And I was like, oh, he's kind of cute. And he's paying attention to me. And at one point, he made a comment that if you have over three limes in your drink, then you have to stop drinking. And I remember I was standing on like a balcony or something at the Foster's and I dumped my drink. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, because I didn't want it there to be three limes. (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. You should have just drank the drink and dumped the limes. Well, I had already had the drink and just needed to jettison. And I think I Got like it. I tossed them and I was like, oh, I don't have any limes. And could you make me another drink? So after that, um, I was like, ooh, okay, he's cute. Want to spend time with him. And so when mom was figuring out your rehearsal dinner seating, I may have helped a little bit. Wow, that's funny. So uh, I don't know that I knew that. I thought it was at our reception, and you got to jump on that. Well, good for you. Yeah, well, you know, I know I want something, and I go after it. And um, and then, yes, um, I, of course, being underage, had to be, like, uh, brought into the bar that we went to after the reception. Oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, Mary, my wife and I got married in uh, on the St. Lawrence River in August. Yeah, where it was probably close to as hot as it is for you guys right now. Uh And um, 
the church was super hot and then we our reception was on a um on a boat on the st lawrence river and then in uh alex bay and then i think afterwards a bunch of people went to uh some of the bars that were in alex bay yep and not that i'm bitter at all but the dress that mary chose sleeveless very smart mock turtleneck not as smart gloves that were all the way up i was like oh i'm dying so um yeah but you didn't have to wear the gloves that was your choice well i had to wear them for the the, yeah yeah for for the uh ceremony right yes and it's just i forgot about those oh yeah i didn't because turns out my biggest insecurity about my body is the the distance between my shoulder and my upper arm. Well, here's the cool thing. There's a number of people that I've heard on your show that can help you with it. <laughs> yes, you're right, actually. <laughs> Mindfulness and, you know, all the other, like there's clearly you are surrounded by, by many, many folks that can help. That is very true. And clearly, I have surrounded myself with these people and I continue to get the help that I need because I call on them all to be guests. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's very good. Well, it's a it's a listening to it. It's a lot of fun and it's a great network of people. It is a great ne- network of people. Yeah. Um, OK, other things that um, other fond memories I have are things that um, are uniquely you. So. You have you and I are similar in that we have a way of befriending people. Both of us, I think, understand that it takes, I think, well, as a family, we understand it takes a lot of people to make the world go round and that um, it's not always the friends in high places that can help you out, but it may be the friends that are in unique places that can help you out too. Otherwise, how would you get monogrammed boxer shorts, for instance? Yes, for instance, you're right. How would you get those? <laughs> like, let's say you befriended the people that did monograms for, I think, Lord and Taylor. Is that correct? I think so. So when I graduated from college, I wanted to live with your husband and a couple other folks, and I didn't have a job. And so uh, when I was when I was in college, I had a job working at Lord and Taylor's for some money. And so I proceeded to um, land a job in uh, at Lord and Taylor's. And and one of the things uh, so the job that I got was to go through their buying program. And when I got my first assignment, it was to buy ladies handbags. And I knew at that moment in time that 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 job was not going to likely last very long. Uh, but I did get uh, to know through the men's department, this, uh, these two women in New York who did a lot of monogramming for a lot of the, the stuff at Lord and Taylor's. And as I got to know them, I could, um, I didn't have to just buy stuff from Lord and Taylor so I could bring shirts to them and whatever. And I decided at one point it would be fun, funny, whatever to uh, have all my boxers monogrammed. Well, and it was relatively inexpensive. And so, again, another fond memory that I have forgotten about in my past. That's not something that I've continued to do. Well, 
so this actually, um, this this concept speaks to me because little known impact that you made because at at Christmas time I buy the boys, um, and now actually I've started buying the girls. Um, they're like men's cotton kind of like long boxer shorts or whatever, and I have them monogrammed. And they love them wow. because they're like a lightweight. Um, they have the long pants and they have the shorts and they're like the broadcloth and they love them. So look at you having an influence well, on things. Cool. Feel free to send me, me some for Christmas. Okay. Well, I, send I, me your size. I, yeah. I welcome <laughs> the, uh, you know, to restart the trend. Right? It was a good trend. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, I, it's that inventiveness and the quirkiness and befriending people that are in random places. Um, okay. Let's take a really quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about what you ended up growing up to do. Cool. All right. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk. We'll be right back. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Stacy Heller is many things. Entertaining, yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Entrepreneurs, is your why lackluster, stale, or missing for investor pitches and presentations? Do you lean on data rather than compelling narrative to tell your story? Stories sell ideas, don't leave them out. The ability to tell your story with impact is an essential business skill. Find and finesse your story so you can finance your brand and business with Melissa Reeves, CEO of Story Fruition. Melissa teaches core storytelling elements that engage clients and investors alike. Recently, a CEO secured over $35 million in Series A funding using the Story Fruition method. Get started at storyfruition.com. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. During the break... My guest and my brother, Jay, and I were talking with Eric. Apparently, I can find out how many people are not listening to my podcast. So that's exciting. Woohoo! Um, growth mindset. I am not Dak Shepard yet. How about that? Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to ever be Dak Shepard. 
That's fine. It's fine. I'm totally not jealous. It's good to have goals. It is good to have goals. Um, I just wanted to be heard. I mean, I joke all the time that I started doing the show because mom never listened to me. <laughs> so, we didn't either. I know. So I'm like, you know what? I don't need you guys. I have my adoring fans, which ironically are pretty much mom and you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so my plan worked. It was 51 years in the making. <laughs> I was going to say, it took a long time, but good for you. Right? Hey, it's about the long con. Right. Um, okay, so you survived childhood. You survived college. You survived all of those things. You got married to marry, and you've got kids and blah, blah, blah. Tell me what the heck you do. Wow. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to have two careers. Um, after I worked at uh, Lord & Taylor and got that out of my system, I ended up getting a job uh, in New York uh, working for a bank. And so I moved along through a couple of different organizations um, and ultimately landed a place doing um, what I call the early, some of the early uh, activities in venture debt where we would finance startup telecom companies. And uh, did that for a while and uh, had a lot of fun in the, with the group of people that I did it with. And um, it was, a, it was a, a group that when I joined them, they were part of AT&T. Um, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately, they went on to spin off from that. And so that was uh, really pretty awesome. And at a time when I was trying to figure out whether or not and go get an MBA, um, I was, like I said, I was fortunate in that I got uh, built an amazing network of people and um, was really enjoying what I was doing. And I felt like going to get my MBA would be uh, perhaps really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there was a part of me that tugged at that. But the other part of it was, um, what was the purpose of of spending that money to go get a network and do something that you really like doing? I was already there. Um, so then uh, one of the companies that that we financed offered me a job, uh, but I had to move to um, the Midwest. Actually, the great thing about that is I came out to Minneapolis and I interviewed, really liked it. Uh, Mary and I were uh, in the hotel after kind of a weekend long meeting people and talking to them. And they made me an offer, you know, verbally um, when I was here and to come and join the team of about, I don't know, maybe there was about 20 people. Mm-hmm. and Mary and I were talking about it and she said, nope, you can't take that job. It's not paying you enough money. And I'm like, what? Like, we came all the way out here. This is what I really want to do. She's like, nope, tell them they need to give you more money and stand firm on it. And I was like, uh, really? So then I had to convince her and she was like, no, it's not the right move. It's too big a move. And so I told them no, and they were as shocked as I was. And uh, so I walked away from it. And a couple of months later, they came back and said, we decided we really want you to join us. We'll give you what you were looking for. So kudos to Mary and her negotiating skills. It worked out well for us. So then moved to Minneapolis and worked for that company. And in a very short period of time uh, from we moved to Minneapolis in August of 98. And between August of 1998 and January of 1999, um, 
we did a couple of rounds of financing where we raised some money and then we bought a company in Michigan mm -hmm. and then we sold the company. And uh, we sold the company on January 7th of 1999. And I know that because uh, we had built a home here and on January 7th, all of our belongings showed up from New Jersey and the trucker arrived and Mary called me and said, hey, guess what? All of our stuff's here. They're going to start to unload it. And I'm like, hey, guess what? We just sold the company. <laughs> she said that that's not very funny. And I'm like, it may not be funny, but it's true. And so um, I stayed with them for a little bit. And then I went back to work for the same people that I had been working with doing the venture debt. Mm -hmm. um, but I stayed in the Twin Cities. And so um, spent another six years doing that. And then a guy that I had met um, at that company became the uh, CFO of Fair Isaac or FICO, mm -hmm. FICO scores. And he asked me to come and join him. And so after a little bit of talking back and forth, I decided to go join him. And that's when I got my first taste. Instead of doing um, financing activity, I got mm -hmm. my first taste as an operator. And I really decided that I enjoyed doing that. I liked building teams of people. Mm -hmm. um, I liked um, kind of looking at the operations and seeing if there was a way to make things better. I liked um, the business end of it, the strategic end of it, looking at the business and figuring out what direction it was going in. Um, and so I, uh, I went to work for him and, and have proceeded in, in a career for the last um, probably 18 years, maybe, of working in companies in their finance organizations. So that's today I work in a, a software company. The bulk of my career on the operating side has been in software, mm -hmm. uh, which I enjoy very much. It's very fast paced. It's, um, you know, super exciting. A lot of uh, private equity activity. The companies that I've worked for have all been backed by private equity firms. So I have an appreciation for what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. And um, it's it's been a great career. It's been a lot of fun. Well, and something that I notice about you is that you have, although you've had a relationship with, you know, the person or a company or a mentor or whatever it is that you can maybe draw a line through, you've had a lot of movement in your career. You've moved from place to place. Um, whereas, you know, in comparison or as a comparison, somebody like Pete, I mean, if Pete could work for one company and basically die at his desk with a gold watch on, I think he'd be happy. And, you know, that's one type of personality. Your type of personality is very much like, I'm going to try something different or I'm going to try it someplace else. Yeah, some, some people, I think, call that ADD. Um, and <laughs> that, that definitely fits for me. Uh, but, um, you know, part of it was um, looking for opportunities and taking advantage of opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have been mindful of how long I've been at a particular place. And, um, you know, the, the thing that, except for maybe one or two exceptions, um, when I've done that, uh, I've really looked at what the opportunity looks like and have sat down with whoever I was working for and explained, you know, an opportunity has come up and this is what it looks like and asked, you know, should I stay and continue to do what I'm doing and or look for the other opportunity. And again, I've been fortunate to work with people that encourage my career and, and help me make the right decisions. And so, you know, mo 
usually within three or four years. And in smaller companies, which, you know, my, my operational career has been in smaller companies, um, probably anywhere from two to 600 or 700 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, the bulk of the smaller companies, you kind of know what, what's going to happen, what the progression looks like. And so I think my skills are oriented around fixing things and, and strategically minded. And, and so when my time is up, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to tell that and say, okay, I'm ready to move on and look for whatever the next thing is. And sometimes that decision has been by me and other times it's been by, you know, the, the company or the group that I work for. So it's, it's not always my choice. Sometimes it's their choice, but um, that's okay. It doesn't, you know, you don't always have to be eye to eye and it's, it's worked out well. Yeah, it's it's interesting um, when you describe, especially with the operations portion of what you're doing, what you're doing. It's similar to, you know, Pete started out in finance and now he's, you know, it's training, learning, development, those kinds of things. And there's a lot of operations there. And then, you know, with an eye on the bottom line, which I think when you do operations, in business, it's so nice to have that finance background because you then do have that appreciation for the bottom line. Um, similarly, though, he does get bored very quickly. He just is that person, I think, that wants to stay in the company. He isn't necessarily interested in going out and selling himself with the job thing. And yeah. I think you, like me, really embrace the the networking piece and getting to know people and having connections and mentors and, you know, colleagues. And sometimes that helps create opportunity. Yeah. You know, for sure earlier um, in my career, that, that networking piece and getting out and getting to know people really was a big part of my moving around and, and the changes Um, I've worked for uh, I think three times I've worked for um, somebody uh, not necessarily back to back, but a repeat performance with somebody, meaning somebody has has mm-hmm. left and then they've come to me and said, hey, will you come and join me doing something different? And I and I'm super proud of that. I, I tend to be a loyal person and that was meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the last couple of years and what I'm doing, um, because the technology world and software has gotten become extremely uh, hot markets with a lot of things going on. It's really about the skills that I've gained in my jobs have really um, made me a more more of a commodity in terms of of fitting in. And one of the things that that happens in my role as a as a finance leader in our organization is that oftentimes the CEO and or the private equity firm is looking for somebody who can be a, a partner and a balance to the CEO. Mm-hmm. So they you know dreams about um how do we create momentum how do we do do things but somebody has to kind of be the the no machine and look at things and and you know how do you balance that with an eye towards the bottom line or growth or whatever you're going to do and so that that part of it has worked for me and the gray hair works to you know put me there and to to your what you show every time you're on the radio the other thing that that has worked well is i'm not really a wallflower. I'm not bashful about telling somebody that that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not doing that. And, you know, speaking up as to 
what what doesn't work. And so that part of it has made made me, a, I think, a decent partner as I've worked with different CEOs to try to help them um, see what's going on around them and make sure that nobody nobody has a bad outcome. And um, and I think they've grown to respect the fact and and my delivery tends to not be too offensive to any of them. Well, there's a real skill set. It's a business skill set to being able to tell people what you think. And it may not always be what they want to hear, but you're saying it to them without any kind of judgment. And if it's if it's just based on, you know, look, I'm here, this is the role that I play, and I'm going to give you this feedback, this opinion, this information, or whatever it is, and there isn't any kind of antagonistic um, tone to it or judgment. And people are just so much better at, at hearing that then. Well, for, for sure, one of the things that I've had the luxury of doing is um, when I, before I decide to go work with somebody, it's making sure that I understand when you press them into a corner because they have to make a hard decision or, or a tough decision about something, you, you want to kind of understand how they're going to act and behave because oftentimes it may be my responsibility to clean up the mess that gets created. So, you know, you, to, to your point, you learn to look for people that are want to hear what you have to say, even though they, they may not want you to, to conflict with them at all. Mm -hmm. They still want to hear what you have to say. And that probably is the most important thing that, uh, I've learned and, and what I look for in a new finding kind of a new, uh, partner and, and, uh, business perspective is somebody who's got great ideas, great leader, creates momentum, understands, um, the elements, uh, associated with, with, uh, running a business and leading a business, but also having somebody that has the confidence to hear their team around them tell them when something's a bad idea and shift their thinking. And okay. that's not always the case, especially with the person running the company. Lots of times, um, you know, a lot of us have seen folks that don't like to hear that. All they want is people around them that say yes. Right. Right. Well, it kind of goes to my, my stasiism, the idea that you can't be a good leader if you're not a good learner. And I would add to that then a good listener as well. Um, because you need to surround yourself with people, as you say, that aren't just yes men or women or whatever. Um, I have a client that I was introduced to and, uh, you know, in kind of the early stages in discovery, figuring out if we were going to uh, be able to work together. Um, they had presented a logo to me and I pointed out that, you know, it's a little chaotic and, you know, um, in all of these words that you have in it, there was a particular word that stood out more than the rest. And, you know, I said, is there a reason why that's there? Like, do you have a problem with, um, you know, this word? Like, what's the deal? Um, and they were like, nobody ever said anything to me about that. And I was like, yeah, well, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and just having a very straightforward and, you know, apparently they would later go back to ask their assistant, like, did you notice that? And, you know, she was like, well, yeah, kind of. Um, but, you know, I didn't think to say anything. And that is, I don't know for sure that that's something that made them comfortable with working with me. But I challenged them and yeah. and there wasn't any judgment. It was just a, hey, did you notice this? Well, I, I think... 
you're hundred percent correct. And it's in the delivery. There's, there's a gift in doing that. And you don't do it in a way where you're challenging kind of the core of who they are or their intelligence or anything else, but you're, you know, you deliver things with a certain amount of humor with them and, uh, but also straightforward. And it's super important for all of us to listen to people around us that have thoughts and not, not, get them to conform to our way of thinking, but in order to grow, listen to things that challenge us and, and what we do and how we do it. I, I have to tell you that I think one of the things that's really awesome, um, you know, the company that I work for is, is smaller, it's not huge. We have about 510 or so employees, um, but you go from a lot of that, like Pete's company, what 150,000 or 250,000 employees. I mean, some large number and um, to a smaller company, to a lot of your clients, a lot of the people that you work with. And frankly, I think it's, it's fairly, I mean, there are challenges with, with certainly what I do, but going and working in small companies, um, I think that takes a lot of guts. It's it's really amazing listening to the breadth of the people that you work with and how they've gone out on a limb and, and created businesses and kudos to all of them. Mm-hmm. I know it. It's fascinating. We've got two kids so far that are going into business, one into big business, one into smaller, and uh, it's just an interesting thing. Thank you for coming yeah. on the show, Jay. Thank you for having me. A lot of fun. It was fun. I don't get to talk to you for this long normally. Um, I know, it's great. So you have nothing to plug, so you don't have to share social media, but um, I will set up a GoFundMe for mom. And um, next week on the show, I have Maria Bartlow, and she is an interesting woman in her own right, and she's also going to share the story of her aunt, Tony Stone, who was a uh, the first woman to play professional baseball, and she played in the Negro League. So take a listen. Cool. Have yeah. a great 4th of July, everyone. Stay connected. Thank you.